thanks to the sponsor of today's episode, Better Saver. Better Saver offers expert KiwiSaver advice that's 100% personalised to your situation, values and ethical preferences. Better Saver simplify the process to find the right KiwiSaver fund and have built a platform to give equal access to KiwiSaver advice. And if you want to speak to a human, they can chat with you at any time. Their mission is to help Kiwis live fulfilling lives, one investment at a time. Make sure you check out the bio below where I've put the Better Saver website and where you can get KiwiSaver advice for yourself. In today's episode, I bring on the Better Saver team to discuss the gap in the market surrounding good KiwiSaver advice. Something I still see all too often on the One Up Project is people not understanding the very basics around KiwiSaver and helping themselves to make it work most effectively for your personal situation. I hope this episode can give you the little gems you need and as per usual, not financial advice, just another perspective for you. Enjoy and thank you so much again, Better Saver, for supporting the podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The One Up Project podcast. Today we have Jade, financial advisor and Joe, founder and CEO of Better Saver here with me to make KiwiSaver the most exciting conversation you've ever had in your life. Oh, wow, pressure. Big, yeah, big pressure. So we've got big sh- shoes to fill, but I'm so excited to get into it. Um, how are both of you today? I'm really good. I'm really excited for this conversation. I'm really excited to have you here for this conversation. So the first thing I really want to get into is just a straight up question. What is KiwiSaver in layman's terms? It's a savings account to save for your first home. Mm-hmm. or retirement. I think it's also important to note that um, the KiwiSaver term itself is somewhat misleading in the sense that it's not a savings account um, that uh, sits in the bank and earns interest. Uh, it's an account which uh, your money is invested uh, where there's potential to make returns but also potential to make losses. So it's an investment account rather than a savings account. In the world of KiwiSaver advice, what is going wrong right, right now? Because I know Better Saver is working to sort of change that. So what, what do you think are the problems? I think one of the big problems is that it's dominated by banks mm. who are also product providers. And what I mean by that is a, a bank has their own KiwiSaver fund and somebody walks in off the street or goes to the website and they're trying to find out information about what the best KiwiSaver is or just KiwiSaver in general, the bank's only ever going to talk to them about their own products. They're not going to say, hey, actually, this product might be better for you because it's not their product and they won't be able to make revenue off it. I think the other thing about the advice space that frustrates me with KiwiSaver and in general is that it tends to be dominated by the banks And statistically, the majority of financial advisors are older white men. And I feel that for financial advice to really be accessible to everyone, we as a business are aiming to get a lot of different demographics of financial advisors who can really relate to our clients. So um, I am a younger woman, which is not the usual in this space. I'm also part Māori, and I'm really excited for, as we grow as a business, to really diversify the types of financial advisors we have so we are able to cater to everybody's needs in a way that makes them feel comfortable and safe and um, like they're in good hands. Yeah, I mean, I can just also add that. Um, the other, another thing that's wrong with financial advice um, in New Zealand anyway is that advice just hasn't been accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, Completely. Like, 
advisors only really want to deal with you if you've got half a million or more and most KiwiSaver balances aren't there yet. It averages around $20,000 and a human advisor is just not going to sit down with somebody and um, spend the time to learn about your situation, what your goal is um, and put you in a fund that's better for them. And so, yeah, with Better Saver, we've built this digital platform, which can do a lot of the heavy lifting, uh, but it's backed up by really smart humans who know their stuff, and they, you, you can talk to them if you, if you need advice. Um, so that's really exciting. We can, we can do that with KiwiSaver. There's over 3 million Kiwis with KiwiSaver. A lot of them haven't had advice before. A lot of them are either, either with their banks or are in a default fund and potentially missing out on a lot of money over the long term. So we're here to basically get Kiwis better, Kiwis safer results. Yeah, definitely. I find like from the people I talk to through having this podcast, um, a lot of people just don't understand what KiwiSaver actually is mm. and how it works. And so from your point of view, what do you think people need to understand about their KiwiSaver before diving deeper into it and changing things like their fund and their provider? Yeah, I think simply understanding there's like more than 200 different options out there. Mm. And the returns that you get um, fund to fund vary quite a bit. And if you're in the wrong type of fund, uh, you're leaving money on the table. I think if you were to ask me what is one thing that I would like everybody to know about KiwiSaver, it would be one of the many things Joe said, which is being careful about which fund type you're putting your money into. Mm. Even, even if you're not with the provider that maybe is best for you or there could be a better one out there. If you were just to change your fund type to the one that best suits your needs, I think a lot of Kiwis would end up in a better position. For example, with default funds, depending on what time you get put into a default fund, it will either be in a conservative or a balanced fund. Mm -hmm. And for many people, I would say the majority of people in KiwiSaver, a growth fund might be better because you're gonna leave your money in there for a long time. And that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars difference without you changing anything else. So I think if there was one thing, looking at your goals and your timeline and finding the right fund type for you, that would make me so happy if everyone was to do that. Expanding on that as well, I guess, are there any other main pieces of information that people are missing surrounding their KiwiSaver that is hindering their success? Obviously, their fund and having the right fund type is massive, if not like the most important. Is there anything in addition to that? Um, one thing could be looking at your contribution rates. Mm. 3% is the standard if you don't pick one when you sign up, but that may or may not be the right choice for you. And there are a whole lot of other decisions that you can make with your KiwiSaver fund that can really change the quality of life you have in your retirement. So um, I think I would really like it if people actually were brave enough to reach out to a financial advisor to talk through those things. I know a lot of people who just feel shy or if, I don't know, they feel dumb, mm. but actually they're not dumb. They're just a normal person who isn't a financial expert. With the majority as well, probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I think I would really like it if people were brave and just reached out because there is actually a lot we can do to help you without a great deal of time and effort from you. That's really important to note too. I think it can be so hard for people to one feel like they can reach out to someone but two feel like it would actually be an easy process mm. seems like it would be hard yeah and i mean to this date uh advice hasn't been accessible for people um you know access to financial products and investing's uh increased mm. um but access to advice hasn't and whilst having access to sort of opportunities to invest is great 
the research we have is most people actually don't know where to begin with investing or they might get on and follow social media trends with their investing but they're really just opening themselves up to I guess for some pain yeah and we've spoken a little bit around how like you I guess a big thing when it comes to not being in the correct fund or having the correct rate is missing out on uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. so what issue is like a lack of understanding causing for people in addition to that and where would you see most people going wrong when it comes to their KiwiSaver? Boil it down I mean the issue is people uh, are, are missing out right like mm. they're missing out on potential better lives and you know better deposits for their homes and what I mean by better is larger um they're missing out on potentially having more money in retirement and then enjoying their lives better. You don't have to invest a lot of time to get yourself into a better fund to actually reap those rewards, i.e. a larger home deposit or better retirement. Mm. And people thinking that they can just rely on the government super when they hit 65, you're kind of kidding yourself because A, it might not be there, and B, if it is, it's barely enough to survive on and if you actually want to be able to live and enjoy your life, I'd suggest that like KiwiSave is a good start to um, you know, maximizing potential gains. Would you be able to clarify, because I've heard a lot of people say, you know, don't rely, don't feel like you can rely on the super because it might not be there. Mm. Could you explain why that is the case for those who don't understand? Well, I mean, for me, I, the way I look at it is that it's just unsustainable for the government to keep funding it, as we've got an uh, increasingly ageing population uh, for it to stay at 65 and service that um, level of people that are coming through to reach 65 over the coming years. I mean, we're talking 30-odd years. Um, it puts a lot of pressure on the government finance-wise. Mm. and. That means that taxes have to stay high. And I think looking at it from a more personal perspective, if you're somebody who's about to retire a little bit older, even if you know that super is going to be there, mm. it's still not enough money for most people to live on if they want to maintain a similar level of lifestyle to mm. what they have when they're working. Mm. So um, depending on which eligibility criteria you meet, it's going to be somewhere in the region of 20, 30K, depending um, and I just think that if you're already earning much more than that now, then you don't want to have to accept a worse lifestyle in retirement. You want to live your best life. Mm -hmm. And um, the easiest time to sort that out is, ironically, when you're young, to start early and invest a little bit over time. And I think that a lot of young people don't really see the value in that. Even I didn't when I was in high school and even the early years of uni. It took me getting a proper financial advisor qualification, becoming an accountant, all of that, in order to finally see, oh, if I just put a little bit aside each week, I could have a radically different lifestyle in retirement. Mm. And that sounds awesome. And coming back to provider chat, when mm. it comes to picking a provider, what should we be looking at? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, picking a provider is tough. I mean, there's so many things you can look at. Um, I think and the FMA has been really good at this lately. They've, um, they've, you know, pinged a couple of providers for uh, advertising short-term returns. Um, mm. So it's not necessarily something you should look at or you shouldn't look at short-term returns. That's what I'm saying. So things you shouldn't look at, don't look at three to 12-month returns and think just because that fund performed really well, 
it's going to continue doing that. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, we look at a number of different metrics in our analysis. We do look at past returns, but over a longer term period, um, we look at volatility. Uh, that's really hard for <laughs> a lot of people to do. Um, but I think one of the things we've tried to do is um, help people get into a fund that fits your worldview. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's many things that come into picking a fund. And for us, and again, the research we've got from uh, market research we've done is um, people want to know um, actually where their money's invested um, and actually have it match up with their worldview. And what we mean by that is actually, um, you know, we a lot of people don't want their money in, um, invested in animal testing. Mm. Um, and... Interestingly enough, um, every KiwiSaver growth fund has exposure to animal testing. Um, some really high levels, some on the lower end. Um, and that's one trend we've already seen, is most people don't want exposure to animal testing, but every single growth fund has exposure. Another one would be weapons of war. Um, a lot of funds still have exposure to that. A lot of funds who say that they don't have exposure to it have exposure to it. Very hard to um, cut through, I guess, now I'm going to say it, cut through the bullshit like, of some of the funds marketing um, and actually know what's better for you. So, yeah, we're looking at it on multiple layers. Uh, we, we get funds to meet our criteria first, which is looking at volatility, past returns, fees, um, to name a few, we put them into the different buckets. So for buckets, it's uh, conservative, uh, balanced growth, aggressive or defensive. Uh, and once you're in one of those buckets, um, basically we rank them cheapest to most expensive. And then it's basically, if you've got a strong ethical criteria, we're going to basically align you to a fund that is closest to your ethical worldview. Um, because how you feel about animal testing or weapons of war or uh, tobacco or alcohol gambling, it differs to how I feel. Mm. And you might actually be okay with having your money invested in alcohol. Well, I would too, but Jade might not. Um, and we don't make judgments on that. How you see the world is how you see it. Thanks, Joe. I think that you have did a really comprehensive discussion on perhaps what we might need to look for with a provider. <laughs> I think just for me to sum up the key points from that with my own little spin, um, I look for funds that have a history of consistent past returns, lower volatility, fair fees, which like you said, doesn't necessarily mean the lowest and something that meets my criteria for ethical investing. And for some people that means I don't care. I just want to make the most money possible. And for other people, it means really doing a lot of research, deep diving into the ethics and finding a fund that really aligns with their values and is going to help them achieve their KiwiSaver goals in a way that, um, I don't know, makes them feel good when they wake up in the morning or go to bed at night. For people who might um, not fully understand KiwiSaver, could you just quickly clarify the difference between a provider and a fund? So to me, the difference between a provider and a fund is that 
A provider is someone who's going to manage your investments for you, whether that's KiwiSaver or otherwise. And the actual fund itself is the investment. Um, and who is our support system for our KiwiSaver? Like, who can we go to for help and to ask questions? Well, I mean, you're just asking me for the sales pitch, right? <laughs> I mean, better saver. Like, that's what we're here for. Um, we're here to give you uh, expert advice and information around a fund that's going to be better for your situation. Uh, you can go to your banks. You can go to providers directly. Uh, but you have to understand they're only ever going to talk to you about their own products. I think the other thing to keep in mind is there's a lot of financial education resources out there that aren't necessarily an advisor. So, I mean, a good example would be influencers like the One Up Project. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was my sales pitch for me. <laughs> <laughs> but beyond that, there's heaps of other resources like the sorted.co.nz website, so many places you can go. Literally, Google has everything. And I think it's just taking all of that information with a grain of salt and making sure that you're taking information from a reputable source. But there mm. are so many places you can get help. We just hope that you choose to get help from us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. Do you have any favorite um, financial literacy resources or things that you've be used in the past, books, websites, anything that you would recommend? Besides the I one mean, up project, of course. <laughs> I think beyond the one up project, <laughs> there are a lot of really good resources. I often just listen to things for inspiration as well. Mm. I find I like to put YouTube videos of sort of female YouTubers or female fintalkers on yep. my computer while I do things for inspiration. But that's a bit weird. I don't think most people do that. Um, <laughs> I would do something like that, but I do agree that most people wouldn't. <laughs> I think in New Zealand, my go-to is the sorted.co.nz website. I think it covers a really wide range of topics mm. and it's a very reputable source in my opinion. Um, I also quite like Money Hub. Yeah. I think if I look on Sorted and I don't get the answer I'm looking for, I go to Money Hub and they often have something. They have really random things like they utility do. provider comparisons all the way through to KiwiSaver information. Yeah, they have so much on there. Uh, Money Hub and Sorted are great resources and uh, the Better Saver resources are being fleshed out every day. We're adding more stuff. We've got a great FAQ section on KiwiSaver. We've got our blog. Um, and like Jade said before, you know, you take things with a grain of salt, read, a, read and listen to a wide range of resources. That would be my my advice but not financial advice and we've spoken before and a little bit earlier about transparency with kiwi service so what are some examples of when transparency is something we should focus on and how do we make sure there is that yeah i think um it's to be honest it's something the market struggles with the mm. kiwi server market struggles with um i think and one of the reasons we've included the um ethical uh, criteria um, if people want to go into it and better saver is because there's a lot of um, greenwashing out there um, around KiwiSaver funds and what I mean by that is there's a lot of KiwiSaver funds out there who still say that they will uh, exclude a certain thing but then if you dig down on, on their marketing they'll say oh we don't invest in fossil fuels or uh, tobacco or um, weapons of war um, and that's on their marketing. And if you dig down into their official documentation, um, which most people don't dig down into the official documentation because they're boring as heck to read, 
I'm talking product disclosure statements. I'm talking uh, statements of investment principles and objectives. Um, and I'm talking uh, the uh, disclosed register um, information. So funds have to, uh, on a regular basis, disclose their full holdings uh, at any one time. So basically what I'm saying is that funds may advertise that they don't invest in something. But then if you dig down into the finer print, they'll say something like uh, funds that have a material, uh, what's the wording that I'm looking for, Jade? Material, um, they, they get a certain percentage of their uh, returns or uh, revenue from that source. So uh, basically what I'm saying is that a fund might say it doesn't invest in something that... Um, has exposure to fossil fuels, but then actually if you dive down into the companies that they have holdings in, actually they do, and it might only be a small portion, but for a fund that has a billion dollars in it, and um, they say, oh, we've only got half a percent of our money in this company that has exposure to fossil fuels, that's still a large sum of money. And if you take that across the whole industry where this is happening all across the industry, I mean, it's a big problem still. And so greenwashing is a problem. And we're here to kind of say that's BS and um, shine a light on it in many ways. Um, and by doing that, we, again, once we get more funds under management, we, we will look to um, push the providers that we work with to uh, divest from things. Um, and, yeah, hopefully get a better result for uh, the people and society as a whole. I think that to me, transparency really comes down to not just being open with information like ethical exposures or returns or fees, volatility, anything else related to a KiwiSaver fund. That's one piece of it. But it's also about presenting it in a way that is digestible for most people. So like Joe mentioned, there's all of these big fancy documents that are really long and to be honest, kind of hard to understand. And that just... Even though the information is in there, I question or not whether or not that's actually truly transparent. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that I get really excited about doing as an advisor is bridging the gap between this really big document full of jargon and this other data we get from a third party source to check it against and then presenting that in a really easy, understandable way to the consumer. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is that right now the industry doesn't do a lot of that stuff automatically because of the way it's structured, because of the way some providers choose to communicate, because of the way some advisors choose to communicate. And it's just really exciting to advocate for consumers. And also, as we grow as a business, our influence will grow and we'll be able to be more powerful and help people even more. That brings us to the conclusion, to the end of the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> it's all over. Um, no, thank you both so much for your time. It means heaps to have you on and you've both added so much value I already know to the listeners so appreciate all of your honesty transparency um, and everything to do with KiwiSaver it really helps the average average Joe um, wow. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> average Joe to understand these concepts um, and yeah it means heaps to have you here so thank you disclaimer time so the One Up Project is an educational platform providing information that is general in nature and has no intention of being financial advice. There may be opinions or an individual's experience within this resource that should not be considered as recommendations or personal advice. 
everyone's financial situation is so different and you must use the information provided within the podcast at your own risk. Please complete your own due diligence before making any financial decisions based on the information within this resource. I'm not a qualified, registered or authorized financial advisor and if you require legal, financial or other expert advice, you should seek assistance from a professional advisor. Thanks guys. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project, and I'll catch you on the next one.